Welcome to the Glassy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host this week, Liz Flora, and today I'm joined by Alex Kumaro, the co-founder of skin and body care brand Herbivore. Alex, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Where are you based right now? I am based on the beautiful island of Kauai. It's a lovely day today. It's been raining all morning, which is a nice change of pace. I like the tropical rains. So is this a vacation or is this your permanent base right now? This is my life. This is this is my permanent base. I just wanted to be closer to the plants. It's where I find my inspiration. It's where I'm happiest just to be submerged in nature. So I'm I'm where I need to be. That's amazing. So what is the remote work situation? Do you have a remote team? Do you go into an office? What are you guys doing right now? Yeah. So after COVID hit, we decided to go into a more remote model. Um, it just allowed us to really find the talent that we needed without focusing on a geographical location. So we got to expand our search. We built out a lot of the team over the last year and a half. So I think 70% of uh, employees at Herbivore today have joined in the last 18 months. And we're really all over. Um, but so far, it seems to be going really well. It's been, we've had some of our greatest launches to date. So I think we found a way to really hone in and work well as a team in remote locations. Yeah, you guys are obviously growing so quickly, but I definitely wanted to get into the founding story of the brand first. You co-founded Herbivore over a decade ago. You started it in your kitchen in Seattle and you first sold on Etsy. Can you tell us about those early days of the brand and how it first took off? Yeah, absolutely. So I can't believe it's been over a decade now. That's a, it's been a third of my life. So it feels like... It's definitely the thing I've committed more time to than anything in my life. So it's my baby. Um, and then I started it with my co-founder, Julia, and we started in our apartment at the time. Um, and yeah, it really started just as a kind of as a hobby. It was just doing something that we wanted to do. We wanted to create something together. So we started making soaps in our apartment and just fell in love with the plethora of natural ingredients. There's so many out there and there's so many interesting ingredients that nature has to offer. So it was super experimental at first. We probably, we were making like two or three new products a week in the very beginning and just putting them on Etsy and seeing how people were reacting. And it really quickly became a community built brand. So a lot of people, there's a lot of engagement. It was like the early days of brands and e-commerce, right? So, and the early days of social media too. So so much of it was built around a conversation that we had with the community. So they're like, we want toners. And we're like, well, let's do toners then. And we said, we'd be like, what do you want in toners? And they're like, well, we want something that's going to be calming and help with inflammation. And it's like, okay, well, let's take care of that for you. So it's just been like a really cool journey um, from the very beginning. It's It's been very organic. It was two or three years that it was just the two of us doing Etsy and as we start to really build out the line, it's kind of when more like more of the lifestyle apparel companies started to feel the demand for beauty, but they knew that the customers wanted something more natural, something more organic. So instead of looking at kind of the more traditional beauty brands, they turned to the indie world, but indie beauty was just getting going at the time. So they turned to Etsy to find us. So we first heard, I think our one of our biggest early moments was when we heard from Anthropology, and Anthropology slid into our DMs on Etsy, and and we couldn't believe that email. It's like, oh my god, is this really? Like, we had to like check. We're like, is this really Anthropology or someone messing with us? But it was. 
Um, and we put together a really nice package for them. We wrapped, we spent like all day wrapping up our products perfectly. And, um, and they mentioned that they wanted to carry us. And at the time, it was still two of us. We were working out of our home and they're like, can you handle this business? We, we want to sell you in all doors. And we're like, absolutely. Even though, no, we couldn't. We had to do a lot really quick, you know? So um, all of our friends who would help us out, we were able to start offering them like paid positions and we had to expand our space out of our apartment. And so next thing we knew it, we were kind of operating like a five to 10 person team in a art, like a, it was like a loft spaces for artists. And we were able to kind of secure one of those units. And that's really, I feel like when it hit, hit us, that's like, oh my God, I think we have something here. And it's like, I think we're paving the way for natural clean beauty. And that is kind of what kicked off the journey. Yeah, it's such a crazy story. And I always wonder, how do you stand out on Etsy? What do you think got anthropology's attention? Because there's obviously so many brands on the platform. I feel like it was our aesthetic. It was our design. We wanted to really elevate naturals. And I think when we hit the scene, it's not that we created natural products. We weren't the first to do this, but I think we were the first one to make it look beautiful. And that's something that was totally lacking. So a lot of it was just, I think a lot of it was packaged, you know, in kind of, you know, brown bottles with craft paper labels. And I think there was this connotation, like if you're natural, that you have to look a certain way and feel a certain way. And we're like, no, that doesn't have to be that way. Like naturals are beautiful. Like we want to show off the ingredients. Why put them into these brown jars when we can put them into clear jars and really show off the ingredients. And, um, and yeah, I, th- I feel like we just elevated it. And then photography too, that was a big part of it. So kind of creating these, these moments and these sensorial, like trying to tell the product story through imagery and really bringing in ingredients into the shots and really bringing in like the sensorial nature of the products into the imagery, um, I think helped elevate us. And something else that really helped us on Etsy, and I give props to Julie on this one, um, she she uh, kind of figured out this backend way to get a lot of exposure. And it was what was called um, treasury building at the time. And you would build this curation kind of like Pinterest. And if Etsy liked the little curation that you built, they'd put it on their front page. So we had this little team that would build these, these beautiful curations. So almost every day we were getting some sort of front page exposure, which would put our brand right on the homepage of Etsy. And I think every time that that would happen, we'd get a ton of orders. And I think it was some front page exposure that might have allowed us to be discovered by some of the retailers. This is also so interesting because the brand was founded in 2011 and Instagram was only founded a year before. So what role did Instagram play in your early success? Obviously, you have such a strong aesthetic with the colors. When did you first get on Instagram and when did you start seeing traction there? I think we got an Instagram in 2012 or 2013. And again, it's just since we had already been taking photos for Etsy and realizing that it was the sensorial imagery and just kind of really romanticized imagery that was working for us on Etsy, we brought that to Instagram and that allowed us to see really early success. Um, and also just engaging with the community. So we used it as a platform to ask our customers and community, what do you want? What should we make next? What's your favorite product? Should we build out this collection? And so it was just a huge, it was a conversation for us in the early days. And it was also something, it was a way for us to allow our community to kind of see into our processes 
And really the size of our business too. We did a lot of behind the scenes in the early days. And um, like, I remember getting like a new labeler and just being so excited because it's just, it was like the first time I didn't have to put on labels by hands and just like sharing content with that to show the building of the business. I think got the community really excited and engaged. And so through imagery behind the scenes and engaging with the community, I think helps us leverage that platform. And we've obviously seen colors take off so much on Instagram recently with rainbow aesthetics. You were pretty early to that. What inspired your aesthetic? Yeah, I think early we were inspired by pastels and color. I feel like that's something that we felt like skincare needed because we wanted to make skincare fun. It didn't feel very fun. It felt so serious. So we feel like it's self, like such a, like a self-care, self-love moment and to really engage with like beautiful aesthetics and image, like, you know, and colors as well. But we didn't just want to put in colors. Nothing is in herbivore products just because it's pretty or just because it smells good. Everything that we add has to have like a therapeutic benefit behind it. And that's kind of like, we always make the claim no fillers because we won't even just waters, like we'll replace the waters with coconut waters or aloe waters or rose waters just so we're not adding anything just because, but we found so many beautiful colored ingredients. Um, like one of our, I think one of our most visually uh, popping products would probably be Lapis, which is our facial oil. And it's like this deep inky blue. And that inky blue is not a dye. It is the active ingredient in that product. And it's called um, blue tansy. And it comes from the Moroccan chamomile plant. And when you extract it, it's just the super deep blue. And when we added it into squalane oil, it just turned that color of lapis. And it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. This has to be our product. So it's, it's oftentimes we'll find kind of an ingredient that really inspires us. And a lot of times it is something that kind of has like a, a unique visual edge or something, but it also, of course, has to have the benefits. So it's kind of how we piece our products together. And we always have said, embrace the rainbow. It's kind of like something that we say internally as we're kind of exploring these color stories. We, Like I said, we want it to be colorful. We want it to be fun, but we want it to be effective too. And tell me about the main skin concerns that you started out focusing on. And have you expanded that over the years with different product launches? Yeah, I, we've always focused on sensitive skin. And I think that's due to my extremely sensitive skin. So when we started the brand, I was having an eczema breakout. And it's something that I had dealt with kind of for five to 10 years prior starting to starting Herbivore. Um, but I was always trying products that would help. And it's upon starting our brand that I was able to really address that and by making completely natural synthetic free products, my eczema completely disappeared. It's been gone ever since. So that's when we realized like we kind of had a, you know, for people with sensitive skin, for people suffering with eczema, rosacea, or any kind of those skin concerns, Herbivore is a great line for that because it always has to get through me. I'm the one that we test all the products on. I am so reactive. Um, but I think we've really built out of that to um, taking this sensitive skin um, Seeing that we're, we're here for people with sensitive skin, we've wanted to build that out. So people with sensitive skin who also deal with blemishes or people with sensitive skin who deal with dryness. And so we've really tried to tackle everything. Our newest product, Nova, is a vitamin C. So it's brightening, helps reduce acne scarring, has turmeric, so it's anti-inflammatory. So we try to round everything out. We try to hit every skin concern, but always with people with sensitive skin in mind. Tell us about your focus for product launches. You recently launched the vitamin C did you want to just talk about what you're focusing on for product launches this year? Is it really focused on active ingredients? 
Yeah, we're really focused on active ingredients right now. What we're trying to prove as a brand for every synthetic traditional skincare ingredient, there's a natural counterpart that performs just as effectively. So our last launch was um, our Nova Vitamin C Serum, and we used the THD Vitamin C instead of the traditional L-sorbic acid. And we put it through the tests and trials. We did clinical testing, and we found that it performs just as well, if not even better than L-sorbic acid, because it's um, oil-soluble, so it sinks deeper into the skin, and it's also really good for people with sensitive skin, unlike the L-sorbic acid. Um, because it doesn't cause irritation or redness. So it's always about bringing that natural counterpart. A big part of our mission is to help people develop a relationship with naturals and learn that plants can do things that their synthetic counterparts can do, if not better. Um, and through this mission, we want people to really connect with plants and really just think about, you know, bring plants into their life, bring it, you know, bring it into their lifestyle, bring it into their diets, bring it into their skin, and then start looking at sustainable materials for clothing and fashion. It just kind of helps spread the gospel of the plants. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so that's kind of like um, with Nova, but coming up next, I always love doing a little good old product leak. Um, but like you said, this comes out April 7th. So I think we'll just have launched our newest serum which is our moon fruit serum. And that includes Bakuchio, which is nature's alternative to retinol. And it's very good for smoothing. It's amazing for fine lines. Um, but again, it's synthetic free and it comes directly from a plant. And through our trials and testing, we have found that it performs just as well as retinols minus the irritation again. So it's great for people with sensitive skin. And you mentioned sustainability, and I thought that would be great to talk about, especially with Earth Month coming up. Well, actually, when this airs, we will be in Earth Month. You now have the Clean Plus Planet Positive stamp at Sephora. You were pretty early to glass packaging. How has consumer awareness of sustainability changed over the past decade? Yeah, I feel like it's all dawning upon us that we need to do something as a society. and. We have always done everything we can as a brand. So it all started with glass packaging. That's something we could access. We were a tiny indie brand, right? We couldn't go custom packaging. We were doing runs of 50 to 100 products at a time. So we knew glass would be our best option. Um, and as we've grown and had more access to speak actually directly to the manufacturers of packaging componentry um, and to really start to create our own packaging, We've been working really hard to eliminate virgin plastics because we still have our lids. So at this point, we're 50% PCR. Um, so we've eliminated half the virgin plastic. And by the end of the year, we're going to eliminate 100% of virgin plastics. We would do it today if the technology was there. It's just now we're like on the dawn of eliminating plastics um, from a manufacturing point of view. So that's super exciting for the brand. I'm excited to be doing that. Um, and another thing that we've done recently is we've taken the paper labels off of our products um, and just gone to screen printing. So it's really easy to recycle. I feel like, you know, sometimes when you go to recycle beauty products, it feels like intensive surgery, like you're removing all the little parts and pieces. And this way you just take the cap off, you throw the bottle in the recycling and the cap isn't far behind to being completely recyclable too. So, but yeah, I think people are more aware than ever. And I think it's important that we are. And I just always take this opportunity to empower the consumers out there in the community to push on brands. Like I think the power is in the people's hands and it's amazing how far 
one voice can go. I mean, if you chirp it, like, you know, say something on social media and you, you confront a brand that might just be pushing out way too many plastics, one simple comment can change the brand's trajectory. So I put the power in the people's hands, be loud, vocalize the changes you want to see brands make. And the brands are listening right now. They'll follow in suit. As people can probably tell from the name of the brand, it's also vegan. In terms of customer purchase habits at a big retailer like Sephora, there are all the boxes that people can check to narrow down the product categories. They have vegan, they have clean, um, sustainable now. How important is it right now at a major mainstream retailer to be in all those categories? How much consumer awareness is there right now? I think it's very important. Um, and I only think it's going to get more important as time goes on. I think it's just kind of, it's the modern consumer today who's who's really paying attention to what's in their products. And I think we're just going to continue to go further and further down that rabbit hole. So I think it's incredibly important to have all those seals, definitely. Um, and that's, that's really why I have a brand too. It's really the, I wanted to shift the industry. I wanted to create change. I really came into this as someone, you know, my partner and I, Julie and I came in with passions for plants, for the environment, for veganism. And it was us bringing these ethos into the line um, and creating a brand because we wanted to shift the industry away from the traditional ways of just incredible high amounts of plastic we wanted to end, you know, testing on animals. We wanted to be cruelty-free and we wanted to create sustainable options for people who want to, yeah. And natural options. Sorry, I already mentioned sustainability, but natural options too and synthetic-free options. So, And Herbivore obviously came of age at the same time as millennials. It started when millennials were in their 20s. Do you have a specific target demographic now? Are you looking at the Gen Z market? Yeah, I feel like... We're probably always going to hit the millennials the hardest because Julie and myself are both millennials. I'm 33. So I feel like it just, what I love, I always try to make what I love and what I want, you know? And I think it's a it's an important role of founders to stay authentic to themselves. Um, we're expanding, of course, there's the Gen Z market. And of course, you know, we want to make our products accessible to everybody. And we're having a ton of fun on TikTok. We're having a ton of fun exploring the new social channels. So we're just trying to have as much fun with it, but stay authentic to who we are and what we believe in and not try to curve the way we speak to things or alter who we truly are to attract any kind of market. Just stay authentic. Yeah. Stay who we are. <laughs> what social platforms are you the most focused on right now? I'd say we're still probably mostly focused on Instagram, but it's really, we're really leaning towards TikTok too. Um, we've really decided to kind of focus on a community-built TikTok strategy. So we have put out some casting calls recently for creators from not only in beauty, but in lifestyle and fashion and humor and anybody who wants to trade product for content, essentially. So we're kind of building this like super team of TikTokers to really help us create um, content. What kind of content have you seen gets the most traction on TikTok? Oh, it's so random. That's what I love about TikTok. It's great from like my ADHD personality of just swiping and laughing. Uh, but humor, I feel like humor is amazing. Like it's like any, I think education, especially as a skincare brand is important, but you really have to put that like little humor twist on it for people to stay engaged. And um, 
always the problem I have is keeping things under 10 seconds. You know, when I produce videos or I create something, it's like at, at first it's like two minutes. I'm like, no, it needs to be a minute. I'm like, that needs to be 30 seconds, 15. Okay, maybe 10 seconds. So I think just quick, funny content seems to perform the best. And with the rise of social media, we obviously have so many skin fluencers and so much discussion of skincare these days. What have you seen in terms of consumer awareness of skincare ingredients and products and routines? Is it completely mainstream now? And how was it back when you started? Yeah, back when we started, everybody said, what should I do? How do I do this? What's this ingredient? Now everybody is such experts. It's crazy. It's really, It's been really a cool shift. I think it's like, I love to see people get empowered with knowledge. I love to see people learning. It's when we learn, it's when we really start creating change. And I think it's just, we've really opened our eyes to a lot of, um, a lot of nasty things that were happening in beauty and skincare and ingredients that were being put in and carcinogenics and plastics and microplastics and et cetera. And I think now that we're all a lot more aware, we can make those conscious decisions for ourselves. And I think when we're empowered with knowledge, instead of relying on brands to give that knowledge to us, I think it's a better world we live in. And you completed your Series A for $15 million with Silas Capital in 2019. What did that mean for scaling the brand? Yeah, that meant hiring people. Um, it really allowed us to build out the team we needed to support before, And it's allowed us to really kind of hone into product development, really be developing our pipeline out two, three years in advance now uh, or ahead of time and honing in on marketing, just really building up the team. So it's been really amazing. It's done incredible things for the brand. It's allowed us to get the team we need. It's allowed us to be in a position where we can support our growth. Um, and yeah, and Silas is an awesome partner too. It took us a while to find the right partners, so grateful for who we found. And you've been expanding internationally too, right? Yes. Yeah, we have been. Um, yeah, we recently went to China um, and we go through Hong Kong. So that really gets rid of any of the animal testing uh, regulations that they have. So we can take a cruelty-free cruelty free approach to the market. Um, but that's been a really good development for us. And now we're looking into expanding further into Europe over this next year. Yeah. How has marketing been for approaching different markets with skincare? Is there a different strategy for each market or is this kind of a global trend? Yeah, I think it's always important to have boots on the ground in any international market you're launching in. Um, the truth is, it's like, you know, I'm an American consumer. I know the patterns and behaviors of Americans, but I don't necessarily know that in China, like how, how the Chinese are buying products. So uh, by working with uh, third-party um, distributors who are really kind of tapped into the market, um, who kind of come with a PR strategy, who come with a marketing strategy has been more of our approach. And that allows us to keep our team slim and just kind of, you know, rely on outside partners to help us really break into the market. Because it seems like social shopping is something that's really breaking through there. So we've been trying to get on all the platforms that we can be on that allow us to sell our products socially. Yeah. And then um, did you also want to talk about your distribution strategy? Obviously, you're in Sephora now. You're in a ton of retailers. What is your breakdown right now of D2C versus retail? Yeah, our DTC is probably about 25% and the retail is about 75% today. Um, always looking to drive that DTC business. I love that, you know, 
the engagement that we can have with our community on DTC. I love how we can speak to them more directly. We own the education, we own the messaging. So that's always great, but always looking to expand our partners too. We're happy with our U.S. distribution. We're probably just going to double down on that. Sephora is a great partner. Um, And so always working closely with Sephora to maximize our relationship and to make sure that Herbivore is doing the best it can do on their platform. Um, And then as we look to Europe too, uh, we've got some conversations in the works, but a retailer that we're really excited about over in Europe is Oh My Cream, um, which started in in France, in Paris, and they're rapidly expanding. They added one of the few retailers that was adding, you know, doubling, tripling their doors, you know, during COVID, uh, it feels like. So really excited about that partnership they're, as I, I kind of put it, they're like the credo of France, you know, natural beauty is their focus. And so any retailer that's getting behind that mission is definitely a friend of ours. What are you looking at in your product pipeline? You talked about you have a three-year plan now. What are you focusing on for the future? Are we going to see product category expansions? We're always talking about ways to expand our product categories. Um, there's always some things in the works, but mainly we're focusing still on skincare and, um, and body care as well. So bringing some of our innovation that we've pushed through skincare into body products, um, as well as focusing on sun care, SPF. I feel like that's just, it's an essential piece we're missing um, along with eye cream. So stay tuned, there might be, you know, a special eye cream on the horizon and SPF as well. We feel like that really helps round it out because you know, it's like, what's a skincare routine without an SPF? It's the most important step. So what are you looking at for SPF trends? I don't know if you're able to share many details yet, but obviously mineral sunscreens are having a moment. What are you thinking? Yeah, mineral sunscreen, definitely reef safe. Um, And then also looking at a hybrid of bringing some skincare benefits into it as well. So some of our favorite natural alternatives to the synthetic counterparts that I was speaking to earlier, um, we're looking at kind of putting some of the, sprinkling some of that magic into the formula. So So did you also want to talk about exit strategy? Obviously, Silas Capital has had many successful exits. Elia Beauty was just acquired. What are you thinking for your brand? Do you have any specific idea of what you want? Or are there any specific plans that you can talk about? Yeah, so I think we're looking for a partner that's completely aligned with our ethos. It's really important for Herbivore to maintain its integrity as it continues to grow. But a part of our mission has always been to get Herbivore products in as many hands as possible. That's how we feel like we're really making an impact in truly changing the industry. So the idea of partnering with somebody who could continue to accelerate the brand and allow the brand to continue to scale would be a dream come true. I would love to see Herbivore everywhere one day. And yeah, anybody who can, who's willing to jump on and and not touch any of the things that we're doing that makes Herbivore so amazing. Yeah. And it seems like major companies and investors and obviously retailers like Sephora are looking at brands with an ethical standpoint. Do you have a prediction for kind of the future of where beauty is going? Is this going to continue to grow? And is this going to be something that becomes table stakes in beauty? Is it table stakes now? What are your predictions? I think herbivore is, I still think it's a brand of the future. I think herbivore is the direction we're moving in. You know, herbivore is all about 
you know, we push the clean envelope. We're cleaner than clean, as we like to say, because we really do not use any synthetics. There's a lot of safe synthetics in the industry. We just don't know if we trust those. You know, testing is always done um, in such short timelines. We can look at the way we think an ingredient is going to act within our bodies over a lifetime, but we're only testing a year or two. So after prolonged exposure of synthetic ingredients, we really don't know what that's going to look like after 50, 60, 70 years of usage. So we like to play it safe um, with our all natural material, our ingredients, and just being sustainably focused, always pushing the envelope. We're not done. You know, we're going to always be pushing. So I feel like brands just have to continuously innovate and they need to continuously look to solve problems that the industry is currently facing. So yeah, I think it's definitely going to be conscious companies. Conscious companies are the future. Transparency is the future. And it's something that we've always tried to check all those boxes. Um, I just think it's super important. What resources do you use for setting ingredient standards? Because obviously there's so many new brands now that are looking at Sephora's requirements and Credo's requirements and kind of adjusting formulations to that. But you have been around so long. How do you research these or what kind of research are you looking at? Totally. Well, fortunately, we've never had to change anything about our line to ever meet any of this criteria. Um, We've always been able to slide really nicely into there. So really, it's just deep ingredient research. Um, And that's just found everywhere. I mean, that's in books, that's online. It's just like when you're obsessed with plants, you just find all the nuggets of information you can get. It's not just you know, it's watching nature documentaries. It's learning about plants. It's reading botany books. It's it's all over. It's everywhere. So inspiration for ingredients and products is it's all around us. That's why I live in Hawaii. <laughs> it's all around me every day. <laughs> so I think we just have one more question today. What are your biggest business goals for the next year? What can we expect from Herbivore? So over the next year, we're going to be cranking out the products. We've got a new product coming every three months now for um, the unforeseeable future. It's kind of our new timeline and the rate of uh, releasing products. And you will see more international expansion. We're going to be expanding into Europe um, and just driving our mission harder than ever. Will every product be a new color? Is the rainbow expanding? Yes. So we pretty much filled out the rainbow. So um, yeah, we're actually, now we're kind of moving away from our pastels that were our identity for almost a whole decade. So you saw Nova, we had the neon yellow. um, And I'm so excited for you guys to see the moon fruit campaign coming out in April 6th. Um, which is a day before we're actually listening to this potentially. Um, But you're going to see a lot of innovation around our aesthetic as well. We've got an amazing design team behind us and um, an amazing product team. So a lot of really cool ingredients in our formulas coming out in the near future too. So stay tuned. So much exciting things to come. I think this is going to be our most exciting year yet. Are you adjusting the aesthetic at all for Gen Z and the new kind of looks we're seeing on Instagram? I feel like, you know, art is always evolving and it's just, it's my personal interest, you know, like, and Julia's too. We were really into pastels for, you know, when we started the brand. And and now we're just more excited into, about vivid, brighter colors and stronger, more impactful moments. So, yeah, you'll see that coming through our branding. Well, we look forward to seeing it. Alex, it's been great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And we'll be following the brand to see what's in store all year. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. 
Please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. See you next week.